Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Join us every other Wednesday when we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science, as well as the ins and outs of Good Dog and how our platform can help you successfully run your breeding program. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Good Dog Pod. I am Dr. Michael Delgado, your host this week, and today we're here with Dr. Christina Gobello. Dr. Gobello is an MV, which is a medico veterinario. She is a DRVM, which is an equivalent to a PhD, and she is a board-certified European diplomat in animal reproduction and a member of the American Society for Theriogenology. Dr. Gobello is a professor at the Faculty of Veterinary Sciences in Buenos Aires, Argentina. She has published several scientific papers about several fascinating topics related to canine and feline reproduction, including research about mammary gland tumors, treatment of pyometra, and the estrus cycle. We invited her here today because she has extensive expertise on canine pseudocyesis, more commonly known as false pregnancy or pseudo-pregnancy. This is a topic we see a lot of questions about on our social media and in emails, and so we're really excited to discuss this topic with Dr. Gobello today. Dr. Gobello, welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Well, good morning here in Argentina. Thank you so much for joining us. So let's start by just defining false pregnancy or pseudocyesis. Can you tell us what it is? Yes, pseudocyesis or PSC is a rather frequent syndrome observed in non-pregnant intact bitches after estrus. It is characterized by different degrees of maternal behavior, mammary gland enlargement and lactation. As you have said, it is also called pseudopregnancy or false lactation. In fact, pseudopregnancy, it's, for we vets, it's a misleading term because it is used in different species, including human species, with different senses. So it usually for students make a mess to figure out what is pseudopregnancy in each species. So I am prone to use BSC, and it's also a rather modern term, I think, because of all this I've been explaining. Basically, history in these beaches reveals that there was a hit, an estrus, uh, six to 12 weeks ago, and of course there was no ensuing pregnancy, and predisposed bitches usually suffer this syndrome after each estrus cycle, even becoming worse after cycle. Okay, so it's like, it is clearly after the estrus cycle, and it looks like pregnancy. <laughs> yes, yes, in a way. The good news is that in most of the cases, pseudocyesis resolves spontaneously within a few weeks after HIC, that is to say two or three weeks from the onset of the previous cycle. However, it can occasionally persist in some prone bitches, even until the next extra cycle, which is really too much. Yeah, that's a long time. Yes. Okay. 
And can you tell me a little bit about why you chose to study this topic? Like, was it in response to what you were seeing in your hospital? I mean, I didn't know that other species also experienced it. So perhaps it didn't even start with dogs. Yes. Well, in fact, it was the topic of my PhD thesis. It is very interesting from our point of view because it involves a behavioral and endocrine components. In fact, in South America, Spain is not so frequent, at least as it used to be in the state. Now the, the paradigm of Spain has been changing all over the world and even in the state and all the other countries, it's not so frequent as it used to be Spain. Right. It has been known that to live without ovaries is not so healthy as we used to say. So this was the situation in South America, not because we knew it was not healthy, because Spain was not so frequent because of other problems, local problems. But the fact was that we saw many, many cases of PSC. So it was a good place to study this syndrome. Okay. You kind of hinted at some of this when we talked about what is pseudosiasis, but what are some of the signs that a dog owner or breeder can be looking for for pseudopregnancy? So females could present a covert syndrome, which usually does not require any treatment, and even some owners did not recognize it. But other females show overt signs. And those overt signs can be so severe that they could become a clinical problem. So we are talking about a clinical PSC. The chief complaint in these females are, of course, mammary problems, which is engorgement, lactation, leaking of the glands by the own female, maternal behaviors such as nesting, digging, adoption of animals or any other object in the place. Sometimes even the bitch may have depression or just the opposite, anxiety, hmm. anorexia, excessive vocalization. Sometimes the only sign the, the owners perceive is excessive whining. Hmm. It's crazy. The, you don't know what happens with a female. So you have to be very attentive in any post-estrous speech, either the owners and the vets. Right. Why would this occur? Can you like to think about from like an evolutionary perspective or like a medical perspective, why would dogs kind of go through this false pregnancy when they're not pregnant? Well, this is very, very interesting because while kind of allopaternal care of puppies in a pack is quite frequent. Allopaternal means that subordinate females in a pack, that is to say those females that don't have their own puppies, have to lactate the puppies of the dominant females. Oh, okay. That are the ones that were puppies and are the ones that are maybe hunting at that time. So... What was once a physiological useful thing has become now a bothersome atavism for a bitch which is living in a flat or in a house. That's so interesting. So yes, the roots of it are really in shared caring for offspring. And even though 
dogs in a home may not be living with other dogs and caring for their offspring, yes. that behavior is still retained. Yes, there is a marked hierarchy within a pack and not all the females reproduce. Right. Okay. So you mentioned there's some hormonal changes that are happening when a dog exhibits false pregnancy. So can you talk about, you know, maybe make it simple so that those of us who are not veterinarians can understand, but yeah. what hormonal changes are happening during this presentation? So it's not casual. It's, of course, at certain time of the estrocycle, as I have said. In fact, after estrus, there usually is an increase of a hormone, which is called prolactin, that is the main cause of all these changes. And also at that point, there is a decrease of progesterone, another hormone. And it seems to be that this combination of increasing prolactin and decreasing progesterone triggers all the signs with different severity in some bitches. For example, it's very interesting that in the past, progestins were, that is to say, derivates from progesterone, were using the treatment of PSC, and now it is known that they had to be avoided because they only postpone the problem because you inject progestin and it seems that the bitch is better, but as far as progesterone began to decrease, it simulates the physiological scenario and mm. appears the signs again. So it oh, had to be avoided, at least in prone bitches. Okay, that's good to know. You are listening to The Good Dog Pod. We are talking about pseudo-pregnancy with Dr. Christina Gobello, and we'll be right back. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to The Good Dog Pod Mailbag. I am popping in to interrupt this week's podcast episode with our mailbag question for the week. So just for anyone unfamiliar with Good Dog Pod Mailbag, it's a segment of our podcast where we devote time for members of the Good Dog team to answer our community's questions about good dog, puppy training, and canine health and behavior. So if you're interested in submitting a question for a future edition of our mailbag to be answered in future episodes, you can always do so at the link in the show notes. So I'm going to take today's question, which came in from Kelly. And Kelly wants to know, is there a way to post the breeders that are the most active on good dog above the ones that are not? This is a really great question, and I thought I'd answer this by explaining how breeders on good dog show up and rank in our search results. So search results on good dog for breed specific pages prioritize breeders with available litters first. So those breeders with available puppies right now, they're going to come up first in the search results for that breed. And then that will be followed by breeders with expected litters. And then lastly, followed by breeders with planned litters. This is why it is super important as the first step to placing your puppies on good dog to list your litter. It's how you're able to connect with good dog applicants and begin receiving applications. So that really first important step in getting your puppies off to their forever homes. And it's also really important to keep this information up to date as soon as you're able to. So for example, if you're a breeder who previously had an expected litter and then that litter is born, you're gonna wanna update your good breeder dashboard with that information as soon as you're able to, just so you're able to be bumped up in the search results for your breeds page. Now that you have available litters, you'll show up first. 
Something else really important that also helps with how you rank in our search results is just letting buyers know that you're a local option. So you can do that by just adding your city and state information. We have a lot of buyers that are coming in through what we call city and state pages through our search results. We have probably nine out of 10 people who actually come to Good Dog are coming through a localized state or city page. A third of all applications on Good Dog are also submitted from a state or city page. So something as simple as just adding what state and what city you're in on your Good Breeder dashboard, which takes about a few seconds. It can have such an impact on how you show up to the right buyers at the right time. So those are really great things to keep in mind if you're interested in bumping yourself up in the search results. And that is how we prioritize which breeders show up first. Is maintaining your breeding program's website becoming costly and difficult to manage? Good Dog has the solution. Good Dog provides members of our Good Breeder community with free, professionally designed profiles powered by design support from our professional graphic designers and 24-7 technical support from our team of cybersecurity experts and software engineers. Using your Good Breeder profile, you can post available, expected, or planned letters to connect with Good Dog applicants, display the health testing you perform on your breeding dogs, share your transport options, and securely accept dog payments and more. Good breeders are always in control of and free to edit their profiles, and our team of experts is always on hand to help good breeders tailor their profiles to their liking. We work hard to send you quality applicants because we believe good breeders deserve the best homes for their dogs. We invest in online marketing campaigns and search engine optimization strategies to help bring you educated good dog applicants from across the country so you don't have to worry about it. We're here to empower good breeders with the power of technology while providing our community with 24-7 tech and design support to help good breeders create profiles that highlight each of their breeding programs and show interested buyers just how amazing your dogs truly are. Make your programs costly and difficult to maintain website a thing of the past by applying to join our good breeder community at gooddog.com slash join. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Good Dog Pod. We are talking to Dr. Christina Gobello about pseudo-pregnancy, also known as pseudosiasis or false pregnancy. One thing, Dr. Gobello, that we hear is that people suspect their dog has pseudosiasis, but they can't get a diagnosis from a veterinarian. So they're not sure what's going on. How can people find out? Like, what are veterinarians looking for or what would they rule out to kind of determine, yes, your dog is experiencing this condition? One important aspect is that the vet and the owner have to recognize this, which is to a certain degree physiological, but it is important to know. The diagnosis of this syndrome could be suspected in any post-estrus, that is after heat, non-pregnant bitch, which is presented with a mammary enlargement, either with a milk secretion or, or not, and any kind of abnormal behavior, not only maternal behavior, any kind of abnormal behavior. The bitch is doing weird things. <laughs> <laughs> which is very important is that pregnancy should be rolled out in all the cases. Mm-hmm. Because it could be dangerous as many treatments used nowadays could cause abortions. Okay, so first thing is to make sure the dog is not actually pregnant. Sometimes the owner doesn't know there was a mating. Mm. 
So don't believe only on what the owner said and also rule out pregnancy before treating an apparent pseudo-pregnancy. So if you look carefully, as I have said, you will see some degree of mammary enlargement, which could be very, very mild. For example, in some beaches, only nipples are touched, and some other beaches have a painful engorgement and galactostasis, which means that the milk is produced in great quantity and it is retained in the mammary gland and it's very high discomfort for the female. An important aspect is that the mammaries that are more evident with these changes when they are mild are the caudal ones. So look at the angular region, not look at the pectoral region if you are in that. Okay. Sometimes even the skin over the mammary gland could be with dermatitis, maybe okay. because the bitch licks their own mums okay. or some of them even milk their own mammary glands. Okay. And one final important thing is that this syndrome could coexist with other problems like pyometra, mastitis, or mammary tumors. So to diagnose one of these, any of the four I have mentioned, does not rule out that the others are coexistent at the same time. So be careful either the vet and the owner and diagnose or rule out any one of these because they usually appear at the same time after heat. So it okay. can be confused and it's frequent to say, ah, as I have diagnosed one of them, the others are not. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. You have to diagnose and rule out any one of these four at least. Okay. Very good to know. So it's not just, yeah, it's this, forget all the other things. Because it sounds like the signs of pseudocystis will kind of wax and wane. Does it need treatment or can people kind of just let their dog ride it out and wait? Well, in overt cases that are the mild ones, it may not be necessary. Just what is important in all the cases is to discourage maternal behavior. Sometimes people do just the opposite. To give uh, toys, no, 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 no. You have to discourage at all that behavior. It may be useful, for example, walking the dog and try to distract her. Mm. Also avoid any kind of stimulation of the mammary glands, either made by the own dog or by the owner. There were all treatments that indicated padding, either hot or cold on Mm. the mammary gland, which is severely contradicted because any kind of stimulation will be worse because it will perpetuate the problem. Okay. Let alone touching or milking. If you milk, it will never stop. It's that simple. (laughs) Okay. Sometimes, for example, bitches will need collars to prevent self-milking or licking. Another important aspect is to avoid the administration of any tranquilizer. Hmm. Some tranquilizers, drugs, increase prolactin. 
So the owner have to be very careful and ask the vet what kind of tranquilizer they can use if the bitch is, is anxious, because you can also worsen the thing. Okay. Anyway, in chronic and responsive cases, the only treatment is pain the bitch. Okay. Because as I have said it, it comes after each cycle again and you can't control it anymore. So the only solution is to take out the ovaries and not to have uh, cycles anymore. Okay. It's very important that the surgery should be carried out when the problem is solved, not in the middle of the problem. You have okay. to solve it, perhaps medically, and then you spay the beach. Eh? The first time of the cycle is an estrus, which is more or less three months after last hit, okay. and not before, because you can make things worse if you are too close to the heat. So again, the good news is that we have rather new drugs that can manage the problem very well. Uh, those drugs are dopamine agonists in some countries. There are problems with the veterinary presentation, but in all the countries they are present in, at least in human medicine. Okay. The problem could be that a human medicine sometimes is difficult to split for a small dog. And you have to be very careful because they are very safe drugs. But if you overdose trying to split a pill and you finally give the small bitch a big dose, it could cause vomiting and a lot of problems. Okay. And sometimes say, oh, no, 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 this treatment doesn't work. No, no, it works if you use correctly. You have to use correctly, administer the correct dose, preferable with the biggest meal of the day of the female. So there probably will be no problem. Okay. So it sounds like there are treatment options and maybe compounding the medication into the right dose. Yes. And it's a short treatment. If you use it correctly in five, really seven days, the treatment even is going on working after stopping it. So you can do five days of protocols and it will for sure resolve the problem in a week, for example. Yes, it works very well, fortunately. Does a dog being pregnant kind of cure a tendency towards pseudocystis in the future or no? No, I, I'm saying <laughs> just the opposite. Okay. A dog can be pseudo-pregnant and pregnant at the same time. So oh. it had to be one of them. It's pregnant or pseudo-pregnant. And yes. we have said it had to be pregnancy, have to be ruled out very carefully at the time of the consult. Yeah. But of course, if you spay the dog, the dog will not have cycles anymore and you will not have pseudo-pregnancies anymore. Right. But if the dog has been pregnant and you don't spay them, will they still be susceptible to this in the future heat cycles? If she has pregnancies. Yes, that's a very good question because there is a tendency, you know, to anthropoformize. And there's always a feeling in the owner say, hi, oh, poor bitch, I want her to have a litter before Spain, as if the bitch will remember in the future she has already had a litter. 
it's a dilemma that also appears at the time of Spain. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that she will not remember. And the important thing is how many cycles the Beaches has had before Spain. And that's the only thing for the future health of the female. But anyway, coming back to our topic, to pseudo-pregnancy, repeated pregnancy will not prevent future episodes. Of course, if you are made the bitch this heat, she will be pregnant, she will well, but if she's prone, she will come back to her problem the next cycle. Okay. Is this condition more common in some breeds of dogs than others, or can it happen to any dog breed? Yes, it has been observed in all the countries all over the world that there are some breeds that are more prone. What I can say is, of course, in my area, and you have to be careful when we read an international publication because all the authors will say the same. We will say our frequency according to the most popular breeds in our geographic area. Right. So I can see in Dalmatian is quite frequent, Basset hounds, pointers, but take in mind that it could vary in your country. What is very important that are breeds that they don't seem to be prone to this. For example, I never saw a pseudo-pregnant German Shepherd. Never. Okay. And in Beagles, it's also quite infrequent. Beagles are, are very, very common because of the dogs that use in many investigations. Yep. And if it would be uh, frequent, will know everywhere or over the world because we have all worked at some time with beagles. In fact, they are not prone at all. And there were some studies in beagles and one of the drawbacks of those studies don't use a beagle to describe pseudopronotypes because they are not prone to it. So it's not a good model to study this syndrome. Okay, good to know. So beagles don't seem to be prone. Eventually, each breed has its own hormone pattern. Okay. And even maybe families within which have their own hormone patterns, and this is quite related to that. Okay, very interesting. Well, Dr. Gabello, thank you so much for answering all my questions about false pregnancy. I like to ask just a fun question to end our interview. So I wanted to ask you, if you could be any breed of dog, which would you choose? Well, I will give a a vet response (laughs) and I would select to be a pointer in spite of the pseudo-pregnancy problems because they are quite healthy in general. (laughs) So I would select to be a pointer. Yes. Okay. That's a good choice. Yes. And where can people learn more about your work? Well, there are many publications that at least the abstracts are online. Maybe they are not the adequate for a late audience. But for example, there is a website that is, I don't know if you know them, the IVES, which is the International Veterinary Information Service of the University of Cornell, which is uh, open access and is free. You register at the very beginning and then you, when you use it. And it is mainly for vets. Mm-hmm. There are some topics, for example, the chapters of pseudo-pregnancy that I think it could be easily read by any people without problems, easy to understand. 
Just in case, the webpage of the IBIS is www.ibis, which is I-V-I-S dot org. Dot org. Okay, great. We'll also put that in the notes for this episode yeah. so that people can access it. Well, yeah. Dr. Gobello, thank you so much for sharing your expertise on this topic. I knew you were the perfect person to talk to about this, so I really appreciate you agreeing to be on the Good Dog Pod. So thank you so much. Thanks to you. It was a pleasure for me. Thank you for listening to the Good Dog Pod. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode, so be sure to subscribe to the Good Dog Pod on your favorite podcast platform. 